Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Strange Pathways. I'm your host, Scott Mort. I hope you've been having a great week. Been a little up, been a little down for me personally. Um, my wife and I, our anniversary was Halloween. Unfortunately, our plans to do a ghost hunting tour at the Museum of Haunted Objects in Gettysburg, unfortunately, that fell through. Uh, so we just went to a local coffee shop, really enjoyed our time together, just enjoying each other's company. Then came home. We, we watched an episode of a YouTube channel we've been having just a blast with, The Y-Files. I, I strongly, strongly suggest The Y-Files. They did a, an episode on Dulce Base. Ariana, she wanted to learn more. And I went and searched for the, the interview with Thomas Castello, which, yes, let's face it, is probably fake. I, uh, as I'm searching through YouTube, I, I have to tell you, number one, if you're looking for the interview, the Expanded Perspectives podcast, another great podcast, they had the interview up with Thomas Castello, recreation of the interview. And their episode on the Dulce Base, also fantastic. YouTube is not what it used to be. Whenever it comes to finding the strange and the unusual, man, I used to be able I used to be able to get onto YouTube and and look for odd stuff, reptilian shapeshifters and and the earth is flat, the earth is hollow, the the moon is flat. The moon is hollow. The moon is a hologram. All these interesting, strange, wacky, really out there points of view. Now, some of that I believe, and some of it I don't. I mean, do I think the Earth is flat? No. No, I don't think the Earth is flat. And that may upset a few of my listeners, but I can see the Earth's shadow on the moon during during a, an eclipse. So I'm sorry, I'm going to trust I'm going to trust a shadow really more than more than anything anybody else has to say. But I mean, I I love listening to that stuff. I love hearing those points of view. And all that stuff, all that oddness, it's being scrubbed and and hidden. I'm I had a really really difficult time finding some old videos from about 10, maybe 15 years ago, maybe just eight years ago. I wouldn't have had trouble finding YouTube. YouTube is going downhill and I don't mind saying that I'm not afraid of what YouTube's going to do to my channel because quite honestly, I get much, much, much more hits off of the podcast than I do the YouTube channel. YouTube is nice. It allows me to interact with my listeners a little bit more. But, man, YouTube is just, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Our first tale is going to take us to April 1941, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. 
The Red Star Baptist Church is located right along the Mississippi River. The local sheriff of Cape Girardeau visited Reverend William Huffman in April of 1941. The reverend was there to conduct a memorial ceremony for a few people who had died in a plane crash uh, early that same day, very close to Cape Girardeau, about oh, 18, 20 miles away. Now, this is, this is kind of close to the Chaffee region. They, they get there, and the place is just filled with police officers, FBI agents, firefighters, military, doctors, and there is debris scattered about. Now, the reverend, he takes a look around at some of this debris. And that's whenever William Huffman kind of realizes this doesn't really look like the debris from a plane. There's still smoke. There's still flames. And that's whenever he sees the main body of the craft. A silver round disc. He, he tries looking inside. There's, there's this massive hole on the outer surface of of the craft so reverend huffman he gets over close to it and looks in through that massive hole there's this small metal chair some instruments consoles with dials and a few things that the reverend just had never seen before it was actually difficult for him to describe what the instruments and tools were that he was seeing. He, he found himself praying over these three beings. These beings had tiny mouths, really no noses, no ears. They're wearing tight suits that look like crunched up aluminum foil. Reverend Huffman finishes the prayers and several, several military men approached him and said, keep your mouth shut about this. The Army Air Corps then arrives from Sykeston Field. They cordoned off the area, swore everybody to secrecy, confiscated the pictures. Somewhere out there, according to Reverend Huffman, there are pictures of men holding up one of the alien bodies. There's an old motto. In order for three people to keep a secret, two of them have to be dead. And like most secrets, this had a way of warming itself out. Eventually, his, the reverend's wife, Floyd, his granddaughter, Charlotte, and the brother of the sheriff of Cape Girardeau, uh, the sheriff was Clarence Schaude. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. They, they, they learned this. They were, they were willing to, to confirm it in a notarized and sworn affidavit. Now, the reverend's wife, Floyd, in 84, she, she was dying of cancer. 
And that's whenever she told the granddaughter, Charlotte, everything. And she, she said, Charlotte, I don't know how. I don't know how William took the photo. But he did grab one of the photos from, from some guy that was there. Charlotte herself has said she's heard rumors and bits and pieces of conversations. But it was an old picture, like one of the Kodaks with little lines and the scalloped edges. There were two men holding up a non-human entity, a little person about four feet tall. They were, they were lifting him up by his arms. They're, their their hands were like underneath the armpits and the other hand stretching out the dead entity's arms to the side. Now that picture went missing years ago. A grandfather her grandfather had loaned it to a friend and the friend never returned it. Now make of that what you will. Make of that what you will. Maybe the friend was military, maybe he was Maybe the friend was just somebody who was in on it. And you know what? Maybe not. I have, I have a book. I have a book. The, the Big Book of Conspiracies. This, this kind of comic book, big bound thing that I loved. I got my original copy back in 96 in Barnes & Noble, Minneapolis. I loaned it to a friend. Never got it back. Repurchased it. Loaned it to another friend. Never got it back. Repurchased it. The, uh, the one book, <laughs> the one book, I've probably repurchased the big book of conspiracies four times in my life. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not loaning it out again. No, you can't have it. <laughs> um, so it could be that this was just, wow, this is neat. I'm keeping this. But Charlotte, Charlotte had, had seen, seen this picture, supposedly. So she's kind of sketched out. If you want to go over to the, to the Strange Pathways Facebook page or our Twitter, I'll have that image up there. Charlotte Mann did kind of sketch out what she remembered it looking like. A reporter from KLTV, Jillian Sheridan, has said that they got validation by going to the archives in D.C. And they did see a top-secret declassified document that said, yeah, there was a crash retrieval in 1941, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And at that point, like, wow, it's like the stories, the stories are real. The stories are very, very real. Now, another television station, KFVS-12, uh, went to the FBI and, and said, hey, we'd like, we'd like to have some Freedom of Information Act documents about this. And the FBI said, we were unable to identify records responsive to your request. And the United States Air Force, they kind of said the same thing. They've researched their files and found no documentation concerning this event. Uh, 
the Air Force officials, they, they also said a review of the histories for the Air Corps training detachment at Sykeston, Missouri, was undertaken. Regrettably, no mention was found in the official unit histories regarding such an incident. It seems like a lot of bullcrap to me. There's too many people saw too much stuff. If I had to go one way or the other, was there a a crash of some sort in Cape Girardeau, Missouri? I'm putting my money down on yes. In 1941, a craft of an anomalous nature crashed in Sykestown. Now, maybe there weren't as many witnesses as Roswell. Maybe there weren't as many witnesses as there were Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. It doesn't make it any less real. Get ready for it again. We're going back to that well. Our next tale comes to us from phantomsandmonsters.com. Uh, I don't know when this incident was supposed to happen. The witness never, never posted a time. They, they did post a roundabout place. This is, this is Pennsylvania. A little sidetrack on that. My, my wife and I, we were talking the other day and she goes, why do you think it is that Pennsylvania is so haunted? And as we were as we were driving, we were driving past a river, the Connemaw River. At this point, the Connemaw River runs orange. Iron deposits the ferrous iron. It stains the water orange. The rocks are orange. It looks cartoonish, but it's orange rivers are a very, very common sight here in Pennsylvania. Just because of all the iron, the mine runoff, what have you. And I did hear, this is not my theory. This is a theory that I've heard years and years ago. The reason why the Pennsylvania is so haunted might be, might be because of all the iron that's in the soil. The same way that, that iron on magnetic tapes and VHS tapes is, is able to record and play back things. Maybe there's, there's some natural element to that. Maybe there's some natural thing where if, a, if an event is traumatic enough, it makes an impression upon the iron in the soil and the rocks and what have you. And then if the conditions are just right, that event plays back. Now, believe me, I, I get that it's a wild and out there theory, but wild and out there is kind of the staple of what we do here on Strange Pathways. Getting back to the story, thank you for humoring my little sidetrack there. This this Pennsylvania man, he doesn't work in Pennsylvania. A lot of us, it's like that. For a long time, I worked in Maryland. This Pennsylvania man, he lives in southeastern Pennsylvania. And he's actually driving to his job in Delaware. A lot of farms down there, and he is driving along a winding farm road. It's... At one point, he has to make a right onto another farm road. And some of these old farm roads get very, 
very tight. Really, there's just barely enough space for two cars, maybe a little bit less than two cars, and one of you has to go off the road just slightly to make it past. The witness is saying on, on each side of this road there is barely, barely just enough to get two cars to pass each other. You have very, very tall grass hills. It, he even says if a cop was going to pull you over, he's not sure where you'd pull off to. He's, he's driving on this road Saturday. He has to be at work at 3. It's 2.30. There are cars coming the opposite way. He's on this road. He's slowing down so that they can both pass safely. He looks to his right. There's this little break in the hills. And in this break, there's an entrance to the farm. He looks over and he sees this little boy. It's Saturday. It's 40 degrees. But this kid is not dressed like it's 40 degrees outside. There's no coat on, no hat, no scarf, no gloves, nothing. Nothing. He has on a red and gray striped shirt and jeans. It kind of hits the witness. He's dressing like he's not from this time period. He, he looks like he's maybe from the 1950s. The boy is, is very pale, and he's just staring the witness down. He's got a bike. His bike's to the right of him, and he's holding it. And the whole scene is very stiff. it's, It's so stiff that the witness first thinks that he's looking at a statue. And the eyes. The eyes are really, really big and really, really black. Kid's only 50 feet away. He's looking right in his face, and the kid's just staring there, straight ahead, not moving. Black, solid eyes. It's at that point that the witness's window starts to fog up, but only, only his window. The windshield, the back windshield, passenger seat, back seats, none of them fogged up. Only his. Now, granted... I don't think that's anything paranormal. I think that all the windows were probably just on the verge of fogging up, and it's him looking at it and breathing onto it that's causing that to happen. He himself said it was 40 degrees. So, yeah, it seems to me, it seems to me that it's probably his breath fogging up the window. So, he drives on. He goes to work. He tells a few people what happened. And everybody kind of goes, well, maybe it was a statue. It's time to leave work. It's 1230 at night. And he's driving on the road. Sunday morning. He's driving very fast. The speed limit's 35. But he's driving fast because he doesn't want to be on this road. He glances over, the temptation is too much. He glances over really quickly to where he saw the boy. And the gate where the entrance to the farm is, it's not closed. There's no little boy there. There's no statue. It's definitely not a statue. 
the only the only idea he has is is maybe it was a real boy and he was just having a bit of a weirdness. He he googled the road thinking that maybe he would see that a little boy had been killed there. And yeah, there was somebody killed right there, but he was a grown man. He'd been hit by a car, but it's dangerous. It's a dangerous road. Our last tale happened about 15 years ago. This was submitted by NateW9731 on Reddit. Now, at the time, and I'm just going to call him Nate, Nate was in seventh grade, and his family had just moved to a new house. It was the same school, but he asked to ride a different bus. Their new house was on the outskirts of the school district. He had a long bus ride. And he's on a new bus. It's with, with a bunch of kids he doesn't know. Nate wasn't the type to make new friends. He's shy, keeps to himself. And he just kind of looks out the window on his trip. On this day in question, Nate is the first one to get on the bus to go home. Policy says first kids on the bus went to the back. Last one they go up front. It fills from the rear forward. And this is to keep the kids from holding up the line about being picky about which seat they sit in. So he goes to the back of the bus. Now, their bus has a little half seat in the very back with just enough room for one person to sit. They, they leave school. And that's, that's whenever Nate sees it. They're only about a mile away from school, and they're stopped at a light. And this is the part where I'm going to tell you that this is going to get really, really disturbing really quickly. So if you can't handle disturbing things, shut off the podcast now. I'll see you next week. But if you wish to continue, here we go. He's, he's looking out, he's looking out the window and everything on the bus is going crazy. Kids are throwing things, they're yelling, they're jumping seat to seat, but he's quiet. He's quiet. He's on the little half seat and he's looking out the window. There's an old pickup truck right behind them at a stoplight, an eighties Ford pickup, maybe, maybe a Ford. Just one long bench seat. It's exactly like you'd think an old farmer would drive. Rusted out. Unwashed. And there are two men in the truck. Now the one driving is a scruffy looking older man. He's 50, maybe 60. The other man, pretty scruffy as well. But he's probably late 20s, 30s. Maybe a father and son. These men are just looking blankly ahead. No expression at all. Faces sunk. The driver has two hands on the wheel. And the passenger 
has his hands in his lap, looking straight forward. Between them. Because since Nate is up high, he can see the entire interior of the truck. Between them is a neatly folded stack of blankets, about chest high. And then on the bottom of the stack is a severed human head. It's a young woman's head, light brown, reddish hair sticking out from the bottom of the stack of blankets. You could see her face, wide-mouthed, eyes stretch open, a few missing teeth, pale, pale skin. Nate said it was like you told a woman to scream with all of her might and took a still frame of it. Nate's stomach sinks. He feels the blood leaving his face. He's, he's looking around at the other kids, but they're all, they're all throwing things. No one's really paying attention. The light turned green. The bus took a left. The truck went straight. Never saw it. Anything like it again for the rest of his life. Now, did he see a ghost? Did he see a murder? Was it some strange Halloween decoration? Nate doesn't know. What Nate saw could have very well been paranormal. It could have been pareidolia, a trick. But, let me, let me tell you a little something. Happened not to me, but I've heard the story before. I have an older brother. I haven't talked to him in in years. In my opinion, he's not the nicest person in the world. We'll just leave it at that. My brother had been hunting up in the woods of Mount Davis. He was supposedly by himself. And he had come running back and said that he had found a skeleton and a baby skeleton. And there were, there were polka-dotted rags all around it. Now, I may be getting some of this wrong. It has been decades since the story was told. Because my brother never liked to talk about it. Be that it had been made up. Or that... He really did see it, and it freaked him out. Honestly, in my opinion, with my brother, either either one is just as likely. There, there was a man around that same time, Stanley Barton Haas Jr. On September twenty second, nineteen sixty nine, Stanley. Haas Jr. kidnapped Linda Peugeot and her two-year-old daughter, Lori May, from the King's Department Store in LaVale, Maryland. Now, don't go looking for King's. It's not there anymore. But I can tell you exactly where it was. King's, King's was a big place that my mom liked to go whenever I was young. If, if you find... A Wendy's in LaVale, Maryland. 
and you find the Staples that's up the road from it. In between the Staples and the Wendy's, there's a shopping complex. That's the complex that that Kings was in. It used to be a country market. It used to be a Chinese restaurant. It, there was a pharmacy there for a while. I don't know what's there now. But Linda Peugeot and her daughter, Lori, were never ever found Haas he he says he took them to Ohio and killed them there but whenever he was younger Haas did enjoy hunting in the area where my brother said he saw the skeleton. Skeletons. I've talked to a few people. And they said Linda was wearing a polka dotted dress whenever she was kidnapped. I don't know if what my brother said is true or not. I would like it very much. I would like it very much if some sort of search was conducted of the land up on Mount Davis. Just to see if Linda and Lori could be put to rest, brought back to what remains of their family. Thank you for joining us again this week on Strange Pathways. Please head over to our Twitter, Pathways Strange, or our Facebook page. We're going to have images dealing with the tales we talked about this week up there for you to enjoy. If you'd like to, head over to TikTok, Strange Pathways Podcast, and the Instagram, Strange Pathways Podcast. Uh, sadly, it's been very, very busy. I haven't had a lot of time to put new content up there. Hopefully this week will be a little bit more relaxed. It's been, I'm not going to lie to you, it's been insane. But hopefully this week will be a little bit more relaxed. I'll have a few small stories up there, fingers crossed. Uh, if you'd like to email me, please do so. Strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe on the wretched YouTube. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoy each one of my views. I just wish YouTube was was more paranormal and conspiracy-friendly than it's become. Once again, thank you so much for joining us again this week. Take care of yourselves and each other. Mm -hmm.